Welcome to the Diabetes Primetime Podcast, where we talk to diabetes experts about how to live a long, healthy life with diabetes. If you'd like to learn more, visit us at www.diabeteswhattoknow.com or just search Diabetes What to Know on Facebook. We're always posting new articles, videos, and tools that make living a healthy life easier. We're here with endocrinologist, Dr. Yasmin Khan, talking about diabetes complications tonight. Dr. Khan, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. It's great to be here. So Dr. Khan, when we look at the list of complications that can go along with high blood sugar, it can feel a little overwhelming. And we want to use this episode to cover some of the complications that we hear most often about. So let's start at the top of the body with the big, with a big one, the eyes. How can diabetes affect our eyes and our vision? Diabetes can affect the eyes in, in many ways and actually in many different parts of the eye. Um, so one of the most common complications is retinopathy. So the retina is the back of the eye. There are small blood vessels that are located in the back of the eye. With retinopathy, you can see that the high blood sugars do damage to these small blood vessels in the back of the eye. And that can lead to um, a loss of fluid or bleeding, and that can lead to vision loss. And when your eye doctor diagnoses retinopathy, they can uh, grade the retinopathy. So in some patients, we see very mild retinopathy or more moderate or even severe retinopathy. And so the treatment will be based on that. Another area of the eye that can be affected is an area called the macula. So the macula is also in the back of the eye. And this is an area that's responsible for the very fine and detailed vision. If you get damage or swelling to the macula, we call that macular edema and also lead to vision loss. So those are um, two of the main areas of the eye that are affected. Uh, but high blood sugars can also affect the lens of the the eye. And when you have the lens that's affected, you can develop cataracts. So it's almost like you can see a cloudy lens um, from diabetes. So all of those are areas of the eye that can be affected. And that's why it's so important to get the eyes checked regularly. So with all of these complications, I think I'm going to have two consistent questions. One, how can we prevent uh, problems from happening? And two, what do we do once we have that complication? So let's talk about prevention first. What should people know about preventing eye problems down the road? So you you know, about 90% of vision loss can be prevented. So this is oh, very great important news. to know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and many patients will not have any symptoms of eye disease early on. Uh, you don't have to have blurry vision. Some patients um, have normal vision. And so it's very, very important to just make sure that you're getting your eyes checked at least once a year. Um, now, if you uh, have complications uh, like retinopathy, then your doctor may see you more regularly every few months. Um, if you are new to diabetes, so if you're newly diagnosed with diabetes, I recommend an eye exam right at the beginning. Uh, so these are these are really important um, you know, to think about prevention um, rather than we wait till we develop symptoms. Especially because it sounds like, as you said, a lot of times we don't experience symptoms. So if you're waiting for symptoms to decide, okay, it's time to go to the eye doctor, I don't want to say it might be too late, but you might might have developed some issues that you know you could have prevented had we been seeing the eye doctor. Let's talk yes. about what type of eye doctor we want to be seeing. What is the exam that a person with diabetes should be making sure they're getting? So I recommend a comprehensive dilated eye exam. So, you know, the doctor should be looking at the back of the eye, looking at the retina and also the macula. And oftentimes a comprehensive exam will include a check of the pressure of the eye uh, because glaucoma, which is elevated pressure in the eye, is also associated with diabetes. So once a year, make sure that you're seeing either an optometrist or an ophthalmologist and they're doing a comprehensive um, dilated eye exam specifically for diabetes. I love it. All right. So we've talked about prevention. Let's say that we've been diagnosed with an eye problem or an eye issue. What do we want to make sure that we're doing? 
Well, the main thing is, you know, the treatment will depend on the severity of the condition. The main thing is to see the right specialist. So getting to the right specialist, whether it's a retinopathy specialist or a glaucoma specialist, but in any case, an eye specialist can uh, develop a treatment plan. Uh, Sometimes those treatments include laser treatments or treatments with injection. Um, But the main thing is to keep those glucose levels under control because all of these conditions can get worse um, if we're not maintaining good A1C results and also just maintaining good blood pressure and good cholesterol levels. Know those five numbers. That's our that's our number one mantra here. You want to know all of them because they're going to help you prevent complications down the road. So we have one question about retinopathy from Jerry. He wants to know if you already have vision that requires glasses. Is there a good way to tell when your vision problems are stemming from a diabetes complication? Well, if you're having um, vision loss, the, the main thing is first to do the, the complete eye exam. Uh, because even if you wear glasses, you still need to take a look at the back of the eye. Um, you still need to take a look at the lens and check the pressure. Vision loss is a common symptom, but you need to know why you're having that vision loss. So even if you're wearing glasses, make sure you're still seeing the eye doctor regularly because you're looking for diabetic complications of, uh, of eye disease. So it's really important to get that checked out. All right, Dr. Khan, neuropathy, different than nephropathy, but neuropathy is probably the the topic that we get the questions, the most questions about on the page. So let's talk about that next. What is neuropathy? Why does it affect so many people with diabetes? Well, neuropathy is one of the most common complications of diabetes, and uh, neuropathy occurs from damage to the nerves. So when you have high blood sugars, you get inflammation from these high blood sugars, and you can then subsequently have injury to the nerves. So neuropathy is essentially injury to the nerves, If and the longest nerves of the body are in the feet and the legs. So that's why we often see neuropathy uh, in those areas. But actually, neuropathy can occur in different areas of the body as well. But with diabetic neuropathy, we often see it in the feet and the legs. And oftentimes, that's after a prolonged period of uncontrolled diabetes. However, um, similarly to the other complications, some patients at the time of diagnosis also have neuropathy. So it's a very common condition, and it is treatable. All right. So Patrice is asking, how would a person get tested uh, for neuropathy? And Dawn is asking, is that test painful? Testing for neuropathy, it can be done right in your doctor's office by your primary care doctor or your endocrinologist. Uh, Many patients with neuropathy will have symptoms. So some of the common symptoms are you can have pain in the feet or numbness or tingling. Some patients complain of a burning sensation or Mm -hmm. feeling very uh, sensitive to light touch. So, you know, sometimes we can, uh, we know just in speaking to a patient that most likely they have diabetic neuropathy. Uh, But the testing we do is in the office and it can be done, you know, at a routine visit. So one of the tests we do is called a monofilament test. And this is a test where we use a plastic filament and we apply it to the bottom of the feet and we ask the patient if they're able to sense it uh, or feel it. So um, if if we notice that there's decreased sensation, then we know that that's a sign of neuropathy. Uh, Another test that we do is with a tuning fork, actually. So uh, tuning forks help us determine if a patient can sense vibration. Um, Uh. So somebody with neuropathy will not have uh, a very strong sense of a vibratory sense. So if we apply the tuning fork uh, to the foot and their their sense is, is decreased to vibration, then that is also a sign of neuropathy. And, you know, once we make that diagnosis, sometimes we can start medication treatment. Um, sometimes we just monitor the patient. Uh, if the symptoms are not severe, you don't have to be treated. You don't have to take a medication. Um, and oftentimes, if the neuropathy is more severe, we'll refer to a specialist like a neurologist. 
Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is if, if someone perhaps is having some pain in their feet, uh, they want to go talk to their doctor about it, probably get tested for neuropathy and then kind of figure out from there what the treatment plan is. Maybe it's time to see a specialist, um, you know, and, and figure out kind of go from there. Correct. And, and, uh, every patient with diabetes should have, you know, a yearly foot exam, uh, at least once a year. And uh, that foot exam will include testing for neuropathy. And so if someone has the diagnosis of neuropathy, they probably want to be checking their feet every day as well, right? Making sure there's no cuts or wounds or sores. Yes, correct. So, you know, doing a daily foot check is just part of uh, routine diabetes care for every patient. And, you know, it's best to, to look at your feet either in the morning or the evening or around the time of a shower. So it's part of your daily routine. And you're looking for any signs of bleeding, cuts, sores, blisters, any signs of infection, uh, anything at all, you can bring that up uh, with your doctor. And it's always better to treat early you know, you don't want things to get out of hand when it comes to the feet. You don't want, you're already at increased risk for infection when you have diabetes. So you have to be very, very careful with the feet. So just checking your feet daily um, is, is extremely, extremely helpful. All right. Last question about neuropathy. Uh, Rosalie would like to know if neuropathy affects your internal organs. That's a really good question. So, uh, you know, neuropathy can occur throughout the body uh, because the nervous system is throughout the body. Uh, so the common place we do see neuropathy, as I mentioned, is the feet and the legs. Um, however, the nervous system also controls the heart, um, also controls the stomach and the intestines. So if you have neuropathy, if the nerves are damaged to the stomach or the intestines, you can have uh, nausea, bloating, constipation. Uh, sometimes you have... Uh, delayed in gastric emptying, which means that the food doesn't move through as quickly. Um, so sometimes patients will have nausea and bloating as a result of that. We call that gastroparesis. You can get damage to the nerves in other parts of the body. Similarly, you can get damage to the nerves that go to the heart or the cardiovascular system. Uh, in those patients, we see that when they rise from a sitting position, they might feel a bit lightheaded uh, or when they're resting, their heart rate is elevated. So that may be due to autonomic neuropathy, which is neuropathy that affects the, the heart and the cardiovascular system. Um, and also, sometimes uh, a specific nerve in the body is affected. For example, a facial nerve or hmm. a nerve in the hip or a nerve in the leg. Um, so you can also have neuropathy that's specific to one region of the body. Oh, interesting. I had I had no idea. And actually, I lied to you. We have one more question for, about neuropathy, and this is actually our Amazon Choice question of the month. It comes from right. Michael. Uh, he wants to know if neuropathy is an inherited condition. The main reason that patients develop neuropathy is from damage uh, from high blood sugars. So whereas other complications have a stronger genetic component, hmm. uh, for example, nephropathy, um, but with neuropathy, we find that the majority of patients are, are developing this neuropathy from prolonged high blood sugars. Uh, but genetic factors are always involved with type 2 diabetes uh, because people who develop type 2 diabetes often have a genetic predisposition to diabetes. All right. So we're going to move on to one of the most common complications of diabetes. Um, Dr. Khan, you know how important it is to talk about, and that's heart disease. How common is heart disease among people with diabetes? Why should we be paying attention to it? Uh, well, it's extremely common. I mean, many patients with heart disease have diabetes, and um, many patients with diabetes develop heart disease. So there's a very, very uh, close link. Um, and for patients with diabetes, they have a several-fold increased risk for heart attack, for stroke. Um, so it's something that we monitor very, very closely. And that's why not only your glucose levels, but also your blood pressure and cholesterol, all three of these things are, are risk factors 
uh, for heart disease. Can I just so uh, always a priority? Put in a pause there. That's why when we're we're thinking about managing diabetes, we want to look at those those heart numbers too. It's not just about A1C; it's yeah. also about blood pressure and cholesterol. So keeping an yeah. eye on all the numbers that matter um, is really important. All right, exactly. so. Our first two questions about heart disease are actually about statins, uh, the kind of the medication commonly prescribed to reduce cholesterol. Helen says that she's heard that there's a lot of negative side effects of st- for statins. What are some of those side effects and, and how common are they really? Well, you know, we get this question a lot in the office. Um, I so I, I, I can talk a little bit about statins, but uh, first of all, I strongly, strongly recommend statin therapy. Um, the majority of my patients with diabetes are on statins, and I recommend them. And that's because the benefits really outweigh any risk of a statin. So there's a very strong benefit to protect a patient from heart attack and stroke when they take statin. Uh, and the dosing of the statin depends on um, their risk factors, like their family history of heart disease, their age, etc. Um, so you know, overall, I, I strongly recommend statins. There are some side effects, though, that uh, you have to be aware of. The most common side effect is um, really some muscle aches or muscle tenderness. So sometimes patients will experience that on statins. And usually when that happens, uh, we often will adjust the dose. Perhaps we might decrease the dose Hmm. or we might adjust the or switch to a different statin. And often that takes care of the problem. Um, So sometimes patients cannot tolerate a statin due to the side effect. And then we switch to, you know, an alternative cholesterol medicine. But overall, we try to stick with the statins whenever possible. Um, Another side effect is that in some patients, occasionally you can see an elevation in the liver test. So we always check uh, the liver test as part of the blood work for diabetes. And uh, I always check the liver test before starting a statin. Uh, But in some patients, you'll see that the liver test may rise when they're on the statin. Uh, And if that's the case, if it's a mild elevation, we'll often just keep an eye on it. But if the levels um, rise significantly, then we may go ahead and just uh, stop the statin. So what I hear you saying, because this was another question we had from Nick, do the benefits of statins outweigh the risks? And what I hear you saying is a very strong affirmative. Yes, the benefits do outweigh the risk. And, uh, you know, it's it's a major risk factor for heart disease, diabetes. And so um, whenever we talk about prevention with diabetes, this is what we're trying to prevent. We're trying to prevent a heart attack and a stroke. So any medications that we can prescribe that can help reduce your risk um, is beneficial. So as always, folks, just a, just a quick housekeeping announcement. You know, we always want you to go talk to your specific doctor about your health situation to get the medications that are right for you. Uh, you know, we're, we're providing some general information, but you always want to talk to your specific health team uh, to figure out your situation and what makes sense. All right. So speaking of medicines, Taniqua asks, are there medications for heart disease that might not be safe to take with medications frequently prescribed for diabetes? There are many, many medications that patients take uh, if you have heart disease that are protective. Um, Similarly, for patients with diabetes, a lot of the medicines we prescribe are actually protecting from heart attack and stroke also. So many of the diabetes medicines are actually heart protective. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Now, now in some cases, um, for example, there there are some heart medicines. The the main one is a beta blocker. So beta blockers are used very commonly in heart patients, and they're excellent medications, but uh, because they lower the heart rate, 
they can affect patients with diabetes. So for example, if somebody has hypoglycemia, which is a low blood sugar, uh, one of the normal responses to a low blood sugar is a fast heart rate. So when when somebody's on a beta blocker, they won't see that fast heart rate. So they may not sense that they're having a low blood sugar. Uh, So I always tell patients if they're on a beta blocker, even though it's a great medicine, um, to be extra careful about low blood sugars. If you suspect that you might be having a low blood sugar, just check it. You may not always get the classic symptoms of low blood sugar, such as fast heart rate, sweating, feeling unwell. That's a great suggestion. Um, I, I think that's wonderful. What are some ways besides medications, and we're not knocking medications, but if someone wanted to make some additional changes, what are some other ways that people with diabetes can lower their risk for heart disease? You know, there are several things you can do. Um, The first is to stop smoking if you're smoking. Begin a regular exercise program. You know, I always recommend to do what works for you. You don't have to go to the gym if you don't like the gym. If you like walking, that's great. If you like dancing, that's great. So whatever physical activity you can fit in. Um, And then, you know, eating eating a healthy diet uh, with vegetables and fruits and lean proteins. And, you know, meeting with a dietitian if part of having a good plan for heart disease and diabetes also. We could probably do an entire episode on heart disease. And and I think we will next year. So if we didn't get to your questions, we will save them for next time. But I really want to talk about this next complication, nephropathy. So Dr. Khan, talk about how diabetes can lead to nephropathy. So similarly to the other complications, when you have elevated blood glucose levels, those blood glucose levels can go to the kidneys and damage the kidneys. So the kidneys are comprised of of small units that filter the blood. Um, So when you have damage to the kidneys, that filtering system becomes ineffective. And so what happens is that the filter, actually, you can start leaking protein in in the urine. So that's what happens when you have damage to the kidneys. Um, So that's really the main way that the high blood sugars can, can affect affect um, the kidneys. And similarly to other complications, you may not realize that's happening. You may not always have symptoms, especially with early and mild kidney disease. All right. So so along those lines, Sherry is asking, what symptoms should she be on the lookout for when it comes to nephropathy? Yeah. So early on, you won't have any symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as the kidney disease advances, you might see protein in the urine, and we do a urine test uh, at least once a year to check for that. Some patients with more advanced kidney disease, you can see some swelling in the legs. You might see a change in the urination pattern. But overall, you know, many patients with kidney disease are without symptoms, and that's why it's so important to follow the blood test and the urine test for the kidneys. And what is the number um, that a doctor might use? What What is the test that a, a doctor might use to test kidney function? And, and should someone kind of be keeping an eye on it? So the, the testing is part of just routine blood work that's mm-hmm. done at, at most of your visits with your primary doctor, your endocrinologist. So we follow a, a test called the GFR. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just a measure of how effective your kidneys are filtering. And there are other tests as well, but uh, we do a urine test also to check for protein. Um, so those are just the things that we do routinely. Routinely. And the most important test is actually the blood pressure because with advanced kidney disease, you can see high blood pressure and also high blood pressure makes kidney disease worse. So I always, always emphasize that just along with the A1C, the blood pressure is controlling the blood pressure is so important. It's just as important as controlling that A1C level. Oh gosh, I'm so glad you said that. Ileana is asking whether metformin is safe for her kidneys. Uh, what would you say to her? 
So metformin overall is an excellent medication. And, you know, especially for patients with type 2 diabetes, uh, it can help you absorb insulin better. It helps uh, you become more sensitive to insulin. So it's an excellent, excellent medication for type 2 diabetes. And it's it's one of the first line medications that we use. Metformin is safe uh, for the kidneys. What we know is that if somebody has advanced kidney disease, we often will stop the metformin. And the reason is that metformin is cleared or eliminated through the kidney. If the kidneys are not functioning properly, you can develop toxic levels of metformin if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. That's why if somebody has advanced kidney disease, we often will recommend stopping the metformin. Uh, But even with mild kidney disease, it's safe to take it and it does not create the kidney problem. It's just that you have to monitor when somebody has kidney disease, you have to monitor the metformin. Um, And oftentimes, if a patient has advanced kidney disease and I'm thinking about stopping the metformin, I'll usually check with the nephrologist or the kidney specialist um, and we can decide together whether to continue the metformin or to stop it in that case. So you've alluded to this earlier, but Robin is commenting that she had a urine test and it came back saying that there was protein in her urine and she wants to know if there's a way to fix this. Yeah, that's a good question. So protein in the urine um, can be a sign of damage to the kidneys. Uh, Sometimes it can be from diabetes, but protein in the urine can be from other things too. So for example, intense exercise can lead to some protein in the urine. Um, Sometimes a kidney stone or stress can cause some protein in the urine. So, you know, always discuss with your doctor um, about protein in the urine and what the doctor thinks the causes of that protein. Uh, But once you see the protein in the urine, we recommend treatment uh, with medications such as ACE inhibitors or ARB medications. And these are very, very effective and excellent medications. These are blood pressure medications. However, they also protect your kidneys. So, and they can delay the progression of kidney disease. So even if you have protein in the urine, um, just by taking these medications, in some cases, the, the protein resolves and you no longer see it. In other cases, you continue to take the medication, but the kidney disease does not progress. Uh, so these are really, really excellent medications that are used routinely. I'm sure many of you watching are taking these medications, um, but they're excellent medications to protect your kidneys. Even if you don't have protein in the urine, Um, by taking these medications, you're protecting your kidneys for the future. Gosh, that's such a great point. All right, Dr. Khan, last um, complication that we hear a lot about with diabetes is foot problems. And uh, some people with diabetes have had to have an amputation. What should people know about the risk of amputation with diabetes and how can they prevent uh, problems with their feet? Amputation is is a risk that we all worry about when someone has uncontrolled diabetes. Um, And I do think that it's preventable. So the first thing I would say is making sure that you're checking your feet every day. Absolutely. Uh, When when patients develop neuropathy, they lose sensation in the feet. Um, Therefore, it's easier for them to have an injury to the foot or an infection to the foot, and they may not be aware of it. Uh, When they're unaware, that infection can spread or that wound will not heal for a long time. And that's eventually what leads to a potential amputation. So I think the key really is to start early on, you know, checking the feet early Mm -hmm. on. If you have neuropathy, treat that. Seeing a foot specialist too. So, you know, this is important. All of the complications that we talked about today, even though your primary doctor and your endocrinologist may be screening for these complications, if you develop these complications, we often will refer you to specialists. So seeing a foot doctor or even a vascular specialist, if you have an ulcer in the foot, or, you know, a wound that's not healing, um, making sure that you're seeing the right provider is very important so that you don't develop an amputation down the road. 
Such, such a good point. And as always, folks, you know, it's the high uncontrolled blood glucose that causes these problems. So by doing, knowing your five numbers, trying to keep them to target, seeing your doctor regularly, you are really doing your part uh, to prevent diabetes complications. They are not inevitable. Uh, Dr. Khan, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I always learn so much. I know our audience learns <laughs> so much. Is there anything else we should know about diabetes complications before we let you go? No, I think the main message here, like you said, is just that prevention is key. You know, they're called complications because they don't have to occur. So, you know, if you keep up with your routine visits, if you keep up with seeing your doctor, and sometimes patients um, think, well, I'm not doing well with my diabetes, so I don't want to go to the doctor's office. I don't want to find out what's going on. But believe me, it's always better to find out early on and uh, just keeping up with your visits, keeping up with your tests, no matter what's going on, just making sure that you're, you're going through that. Um, will allow you to have less problems down the road. I love it. All right, folks, join us next time on Diabetes Primetime. Thanks so much for watching. Have a great night.